0: If you have your Bibles with you, we're looking at Matthew chapter 26, contrary to the um, outline in verses 36 to 46. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46, here the passage says, "Um, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Before I say anything else, I want to give this message to God. Father, um, I'm convicted by what I have to bring tonight. I'm wholly aware that um, so often in my relationship with you, I fail. So I ask for your forgiveness as I come before your people tonight. For the times when I don't even get right right, what I'm saying to us. And I want to pray as your community, as your people gathered here, having spent time worshipping you in such a life-joy-bringing way, having shared in bread, that this won't just be um, stupid Rossisms, And the weird things, but that you will speak powerfully tonight through your word. We know you have something to say. Speak to us, transform us, and change us. And may this be real and honest. Amen. So we're continuing our series, um, The Caring Creator. You may have your flyers. Again, a great opportunity to invite people, if you take these flyers, to your workplace. I found quite an effective tool is make them a little airplane, throw them into their pockets when they're not looking, shove them in their bags, their back pockets when they're not looking. Great way to get them along to a series in which we're exploring God's broader call to care. The title is The Caring Creator. Um, Exploring the Christian call to care. What does God care about? And, And why does he care more about some of the things that we often think he cares about? We've been looking at the fact that he cares about the things we buy. Why? Because he cares about the people who make the things that we consume and that we buy. We've been looking at what it means to be an ethical consumer. The week after that, last week, um, Michael Shaw looked at what it means to be a justice advocate. Someone who is passionate about the suffering of others and the injustices across this world that we see experienced by the poor and the marginalized. How can we be advocates? How can we be voices for the voiceless? We were called to be justice advocates. And then this week, we're looking at like um, the first of a two-part message, if you like, uh, called Spiritual Carer. And the aim is we're exploring the fact that um, previously we've been looking at God's care for others And now we're looking at also the fact that God cares about us as individuals, but us holistically as individuals. So He cares for our spiritual life, yes, which we'll be reflecting on this evening. But in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be reflecting on the fact He also cares about our physical lives. And by that, I mean um, our health, our well being, our mental health, our physical health. He cares about those things as well. And next week, KT is going to be looking at nature nurturer. So, what it means for God to care about the environment and what that means for us as Christians. Are you pumped? Yes, Benita is twenty-four-seven pumped for everything. I love that, Benita. Where did you get your energy from? I was just <laughs> for those listening at home. That was she's just had a nap. Well, at least she didn't save it for the sermon. So we're on a win then. So tonight, um, I just want to clarify two things that this series um, is not. I hope that you're not leaving thinking, oh, man, it's just another chance for Ross to beat us up from the front. That's not the aim. Um, I realise that we're looking at things that maybe you're not necessarily doing at the moment. These messages have challenged my lifestyle as much as I ho- I'm hoping they challenge yours. But if you leave feeling beaten up and that you've been got at, then we've failed, really. That's not the aim of this. It's not that you suddenly live a life of guilt in everything that you buy and everything that you do or passing every homeless person in the street that you feel you have to give them all your money's worth, but that we start pondering what it means for God to care in in this way and then for us to care we're opening up a conversation and exploring this topic but also my hope is that you will leave challenged because I can assure you I don't just say these messages um, as someone standing here wagging a finger I've been ridiculously I don't like preaching sermons because I find that when I do it God points a finger at me and says yes mate what are you going to do to demonstrate that to the people that you're talking to? And the second point is that this um, isn't about a middle-class agenda. Um, Realising that some of the things like fair trade food and, and, and some of the clothes we've talked about can be quite expensive. So it can seem like it's a middle-class agenda for those who can afford it. There are many reasons as to why that's not the case. Um, I don't want to go into them now, but I've heard that and raised a brilliant question and one that's really useful. So if you have been thinking about that and you know what I mean by that term, please come and chat to me afterwards because I'd love to explore some of those things with you more? It's a great question, and we want to encourage dialogue. If you've got feedback about the series, obviously only positive and encouraging, please come to Clive and I and talk about it, because we, we want to hear what you think um, generally. So I've got a pretty um, simple premise for tonight, and, and it's my normal style. Hopefully it's a bit of a conversation um, between us. And I want to say tonight, I'm not, as I've prayed, some kind of example of all the stuff that we're talking about. I'm really passing on to you things that I've been gracious enough to receive from others. So any practical advice I give tonight, don't think, oh, it's just Ross's stuff. It's not Ross's stuff. That's stuff that Ross has been given by many people over the years. I'm privileged to have um, a family full of pastors. I say privileged. I should probably nuance that. (laughs) That has its blessings and its curses. But I've been surrounded by people like like Clive and John and Fiona and looking around at many of you tonight who have told me all kinds of practical things you do in your faith. Um, And I'm simply stealing them. So hopefully, they'll help you um, in your walk tonight. So simple premise um, is this. I believe there's no better way, thinking about being a spiritual carer, to nurture your spiritual life than to look at how Jesus lived his spiritual life. Right, that's the basic premise. So three qualities in the Gospels that really stand out in how Jesus lived his spiritual life that I want to explore with you tonight. Are you up for that? Let's get a bit of dialogue going on. Just say yes, Ross. Boom. Shut up, Ross. (laughs) Jesus' spiritual life was relational. That's the first point. Oh, and I'm doing. Can I add. Actually, Steve, can I do it? Do you mind? I want to practice. I'm trying to learn how to work these clicker things. Yeah, boom. I'm going to play around with some of those ways of doing that later. Oh, too early. Oh, man. (laughs) The boy was doing so well for a second. We can say um, a lot of things about spiritual, spirituality. We can say a lot of things about our spiritual life, but if they don't begin with relationship, I feel we miss the whole point of the Christian faith. Because the Christian faith is about relationship, a relationship with the living God. and, and just think about what we're saying for a second. Jesus died on the cross for us. Three days later, he rose again. That act conquered sin and death, and it created a way to the very Father, the very God that we worship, that we can have a we can call God Father. That is insane think about that for a second the intimacy the closeness that that requires to have a relationship with the living God we say this all the time and this is a radical claim we don't claim God is distant and aloof some judgmental grandfather sitting in the sky wagging his finger at us at every single thing we do making life miserable and boring but we believe in a God who loves us and for some reason wants a relationship with us Whatever we say about spirituality, it is that it is relational. And we see this in Jesus' life. He, he used terms about God which would have challenged the way people thought about God. He used the term father. Think about that term for our God, daddy, right? Abba, father, daddy. There's something about that term that is so intimate that a child who can barely walk or speak would come up to their father and call them that. Jesus used the term Father. And in our passage we're looking at tonight, we get a glimpse into this private prayer life of Jesus where he's on his knees before God. No uh, bars held. He's just giving everything to him. And in verses 39 and 42, he cries out. Can you imagine the anguish, what he's facing, what he's about to go through? These aren't nice, glib words. These are my Father. Dad. The one person you should be able to rely on in a situation of pain and discomfort is your, is your father. If that's language you're uncomfortable with tonight, um, I don't know what your relationship is with, like, like with your father, maybe mother is more appropriate language for you. Not that I'm forcing some kind of feminist agenda, but God is, isn't limited by gender. In fact, we believe a God who, who covers all the qualities of both gender, male and female. If that's language that's more comfortable for you, then use that. There's something about the nurturing of a father and mother that we see summarized in the qualities and characteristics of God. And then he calls us to, to, when the disciples say to him, how do we pray? Jesus' words are, our father. That's the opening words, not just his father. He's not just calling out to his father, but we are encouraged as his followers to say, our father who are in heaven, whoever, who is in heaven, glory to your name. This kind of relational language is is, is radical. And I feel if we miss that, we miss the whole point of a spiritual walk. Jesus' spiritual life was was relational. He had a relationship with God and he says that in my father. Recently, um, I've been to see my granddad. My granddad was given um, six months to live about uh, a week ago. Um, but we were told the other day that he has a couple of weeks to live. So I went down to, to visit him, and um, potentially for the last time. And, and I went to Bury St. Edmunds, where he lives. And he's, he's a Baptist minister, a retired Baptist minister. Um, wonderful man of God. Got a reputation for starting prayer movements and wanting to see revival. Because he believes in the power of God. That's the one thing you'll get from my granddad whenever you meet him. He is passionate that God does stuff. Quite simply, earlier, the other day he said to me, Ross, I get bored of all this theology stuff, right? He's like just Jesus does stuff how cool is that that's my granddad who has oxygen tanks in the other chair next to him and, and 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 every time I left him um from from chatting to him over over the years going through ministry he's been my biggest supporter um and he's always said to me at the end as I leave him he's looked me in the eyes with those serious looks only granddads can give you and said how's your relationship with Jesus are you spending time with him I, I, are you devoting time with him are you, are you having a quiet time how is your relationship with Jesus? And he would always apologize if he, as if he couldn't be saying that to me because I'm a minister and he wants to me to acknowledge that. I, and I was like, granddad, I need to hear that. How many of us need to hear that tonight? That is a question I want you to ask. Let's call this a spiritual MOT. How is your relationship with Jesus? Honestly. Not fluffy, not what you have to say because you think that's what people want to hear. How is your relationship with Jesus? If there is anything I've learned in in my limited time in ministry six years now, um, it is that if that is not in place, everything else is pointless to a certain extent. If I'm not regularly spending time with God, my pastoral care is nowhere near as effective. If I'm not regularly spending time with Jesus, nurturing that relationship, my preaching is nowhere near as effective. Because all of these things require the God that I love and worship. My job role, and our job roles in general, right, as ministers make no sense unless Jesus is at the center of all we do. How is your relationship with Jesus? That is a question that, you know what, I actually want to pause on for a second. Yeah. Can we take a minute, just in the silence, to ask yourself that question honestly and ask God, how is your relationship with Jesus at the moment? Because you say it's not until you realize the problem's there that you can begin to fix it, right? If there is a problem, there is. Let's take a moment, just in the silence, ask God that question: How is your relationship with Jesus? Jesus, in this time of silence, I want to pray as we continue in in this time of reflection and this conversation um, that you will be stirring in us. If that is something we need to hear tonight, if that is something we need to reevaluate where we're at with you, then may you stir that. If this is worth, for the words' sake, it's pointless. But Jesus, if you are in, in this. We know you can change lives. Amen. So Jesus' spiritual life was relational. It was about his relationship with his father. But Jesus' spiritual life was also real. And I don't know about you, but the passage that we're looking at tonight, the thing that strikes me most is is how Jesus comes to God. We have this glimpse into his private life, as we said, his private prayer life. And he's so honest. He's so open. He doesn't come up and say, which you'd expect him to. I mean, this is the son of God, right? He knows how to pray. He knows the best. He invented prayer, right? He's in that moment. He should be saying, Father, I am so grateful for the opportunity I have to suffer, right? That's what we talk about, joy of suffering. And do you know what? With, with joy and with grace, I take up this opportunity. I take on my cross. But yet he says, Father, I don't want to do this. Is it right? But despite this, your will be done. I love that in this moment he expresses fear. He expresses doubt. All these are human emotions that we sometimes don't think appropriate of Jesus because he's the son of God, right? I mean, he couldn't feel a human emotion, but yet he does. And he wavers and he seems almost scared about the opportunity that he's about to face. He is so real, so honest, so blunt with God. It can be so easy, can't it, to, to come before God and tell him, What we think he wants us to say. You know, the kind of, what are those um, queens in America who wear the tiaras? What are they called? Passion queens, right? Pageant, thank you. Passion. I mean, they are passionate. And they always, that classic prayer, they always pray about world peace, right? They always pray that kind of very specific, what everyone else wants to hear. And yet, that was well too long for a really pointless illustration. The point that I'm trying to make is that Jesus is real in his relationship with God. Why? Because it's a relationship. He wants to be honest. He wants to be open. Are we real in our relationship with God? Is our spiritual life one that is real in our relationship with Jesus, with the God that we love? And the final thing is that Jesus' spiritual life was was regular. I did. I'm kind of using the word regular because it was alliteration. And Clive always gets the best things for alliteration. And I kind of wanted to show him I could do it too. Although realize that regular sounds a little bit about bowel movements and that kind of stuff. So if we can transfer your thoughts from that, <laughs> and to the, if you weren't thinking that you are now, uh, to this idea that actually it's about Jesus' regular time with his father. He regularly took himself away to spend time with God. And you may be thinking tonight, even as I've been doing this so far, Ross, this is so easy and simple, this stuff. We hear it all the time. We know what you're getting on with. So my question to you then tonight is, are you doing it? Because if you are, this isn't relevant. But if you're not, this is hugely relevant. Luke 5, um, 5, verse 15 to 16. In this it says, Despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Throughout the Gospels, there's these examples of Jesus surrounded by people wanting to heal him in the midst of all of that chaos and with the countless people that need his help. He, he knows the importance of, of finding his source and his strength from his God who he is in relationship with. He draws himself away to be in a deserted place, up a mountaintop to spend time with his Father. Are we regularly spending time with God? I found over the years there is a direct correlation between how close we feel to God and how much time we're spending with him. I so often have people come up to me and ask me, um, Ross, you know, I just don't feel close to God and I don't know what to do about it. And the first question I always say is, are you spending time with him? Are you regularly in relationship with God, regularly nurturing that relationship? And the answer I often get, well, uh, well no, but probably not. Or, um, well, I mean, how can you really define regular? I mean, I do it sometimes, but what is Regular. Are we regularly spending time with God? So the theme of this series, Steve, I miserably failed with the whole clicker thing. I apologize. You may have been thinking I've been doing that in my back pocket. I haven't. Steve has been doing the magical clicky device. Um, As we've been trying to do with this series is we've been trying to um, have practical applications for everything we're exploring. So explore the theme, and we want you to go away and to have practical ways you can implement that from tomorrow, let's say. So tonight, I want to do the same thing with this theme, and I want to go back to the words that we've been exploring, relational, real, and regular, things that we see in Jesus' spiritual life that jump out to us and are encouragement for us to grow near to him. So the first of of relational, how can we make our quiet times with God about relationship, maybe more than duty? Do you ever feel that you do your quiet time, your time, what I mean by quiet time is that time with God, more out of a duty um, than you do out of a relationship with Jesus? Right, It becomes something you've got to do. And ultimately, on occasion, if you're honest, it's because you believe that if you don't do it, God won't be with you that day. When in fact, what we see is this idea of a relationship. Let's, let's turn that thinking for a second. What if we think about it as our quiet time is us spending time with our th- father, with our mother, with our friend. I love the language of, of and I'm going to coin this tonight, of grabbing a coffee with Jesus. And I don't want that to sound too irreverent, but there's a sense in which that that comfortable nature of being around God, that we're not on show, we're not having to just do a formulaic way of spending time with God, that you must read your Bible, you must pray in this way or that way. But in fact, you're spending time with a friend, you're spending time with someone you love. And there's a sense of ease in that. Maybe um, tomorrow you ask yourself, you know, what do I, I want to do with my father today? What do I want to do with my mother? Why can't we be creative in the way we explore our, our devotionals? Um, I've got this book Called Quiet Spaces. The interns have been using a little bit as well, right? Um, do you like it? It's pretty good, right? So it's a kind of creative way. Alice has used it as well, and Met Jonathan used it. Um, creative ways to do your devotions rather than having um, a kind of long uh, Bible reading or something like that. There's all kinds of journal things, art things. Um, it just appeals to that other side of our brain that we so often don't use. You get a theme every single month, and it's just a different way of thinking. Come and sit down with God and go, do you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to take 15 minutes out and spend time with you in this way. Maybe it's, it's journaling. Maybe you can just pick up a journal. If you don't have a journal, best bit of advice you'll hear, get a journal. They're amazing. Get writing in them about how you're feeling, not like a Dear Diary thing necessarily, but, but where you're really at and then asking God to speak to you in it and um, picking up your Bible. What is God saying to you about a particular passage you're reading? Draw pictures. I mean, mine's full of pictures and random scribblings and pictures of my face actually, on that one. (laughs) So egotistical. (laughs) What about things like um, art? One of my most profound worship experiences recently was I had this picture from God, and I just thought, you know what? I can't draw, but I'm going to draw. And I just enjoyed that experience. It was like God was sitting with me in it. It was such an incredible experience, drawing this picture of a father holding a child. Maybe going for a prayer walk, saying to God, I want you to be With me in this. Maybe you don't say anything because you find that really awkward walking around and praying. Or maybe you just go for a prayer walk and you just whisper to yourselves quietly. Clive finds this infuriating that when we do prayer meetings, I always stand up and walk. But I do the same when I'm on the phone. If I phone you, I walk around. I walk miles on the phone. And that's how I pray because I do the same thing. That's how I'm talking. I'm talking to my God. I do the same as if I'm talking to someone else. Or maybe you want to watch a YouTube video, some kind of worship video that you're enjoying at the time, and, and just invite God into that experience. Why does it have to be so long? Why does it have to be so boring and duty-bound? But in fact, you're spending time with someone who you love that you're in a relationship with. Maybe you want to listen to the Bible because you're bored of reading it. Or maybe you want to read the Bible in a different translation, the voice translation, for example. An amazing translation, really different. The words are different. The way it's, it's phrased just challenges you to think about the context and what's going on because it's not what you're used to. So how are you... Um, Spending your quiet times focused on the relationship with God. How's your relationship with Jesus? What about being real? You ever find you, um, when you come to pray, um, say you've been hurt that week and, and you come to God and you say, Father, um, I just want to pray a blessing upon Jane and I want to pray you give her wisdom in the coming week. Reality is, that week you've gone into work, Jane's um, really hurt you by the things she said. She made a sly comment to one of your friends that you overheard. And in fact, she's consistently been doing that. She's been passively, aggressively doing things all week. And you thought, for someone who you cared about, you felt really hurt by what she said. And in fact, wouldn't a more honest and more real prayer be, Father, you know what? Jane is infuriating me. I don't get her at the moment. I don't understand what she's doing. I, I don't know why someone I care about keeps doing this to me. And if I'm honest, all I want to do is slap her. Huh. <laughs> but help me. <laughs> and it seems weird and you laugh, but if that's what you think, God knows our thoughts, right? I mean, that's going through your mind at the time to say to him, I just want to pray a blessing over. It. I love that when, when as Christians, something goes wrong and someone really annoys us and we go, oh man, that's so annoying. Bless him. Just bless him. <laughs> well, that's not what you want to do. Bless them. the last thing you want to do. Unless bless him's a new word for slap them. I found over the, over the years that there's, if something's on my mind as I'm coming to do a quiet time and spend time with God, if it's something that I'm genuinely thinking and resting with, if I don't bring that before him, um, everything else kind of fades into, into non-existence. In fact, it's in those moments where I've got something that's on my heart that I'm not sure how to express to God, but I just try in some way, no matter how angry or aggressive or stupid that comes out, that sense of reality and honesty seems to allow the rest of the devotion um, to flow. My brother, actually, I want to tell this story. My brother, um, bless him, is surrounded by ministers in the family. And um, he gets infuriated sitting around the table. And our talks go on to theology and church stuff. And he finds nothing more boring than having to listen to these conversations. Rightly so. He feels, sadly, that he can't contribute because he is but a layman. That would be his kind of understanding. And yet, I've heard more profound words from my brother's lips about God than I've heard from any of the ministers sitting at that table. And one of the things um, he said to me recently was my nan has um, quite severe dementia in the later stages. She doesn't remember me or my brother or, or most of my family apart from my mum. And it's quite difficult to go and see her sometimes because you know that she's not going to talk to you very much. She's repeating, obviously, the same things. Her mood wavers depending on the day. And he said, Ross, sometimes I just feel my relationship with God is so much like my relationship with Nanny. You know, I, I struggle to go and I have to force myself sometimes to get there. But when I get there and I sit with there, and I make her smile, even when I know she has no idea what I'm going on about. Or she listens, and I can see her genuinely attentive to what I say. And then we reminisce stories about how, the things she's done when she was younger and, and, and the way we've had fun together. He so said, I leave there, and the next thing I want to do is find out when the next time is I can spend with Nanny. When's the next time I can get in because it was so rich? He says he felt so blessed being with her. How much can that sometimes be like our relationship with God? Because if we're honest sometimes, can we not use the term um, being real as as an excuse for not doing quiet times? Because if we're, when we're not feeling like it, we're not going to spend time with God because that would seem inauthentic if we're not feeling like it to spend time with him. Does that relate true at all? That you want your relationship with God to be real and to be authentic. So if you're not feeling it, then to spend time with God would be kind of giving the wrong message across. But yet, in any other relationship, we would phone up our mum, maybe even when we don't want to, because we want to nurture that relationship. To-do this reminder, phone mum. We would um, spend time with our friend, go for a coffee with them. Why? Because it's in the diary. We want to nurture that relationship. We take it seriously. Love is a choice, right? We don't always feel it. And I think there's something about this. that is a reality. To be real in our relationship with God means that sometimes we do have to move beyond the feelings and nurture that relationship, even if we don't feel like it. And finally, because of time um, regular. The thing I I so often get is, um, the truth is, Ross, I haven't got time to do quiet times. I don't know about you, that may be something you feel um, quite poignantly in your relationship with God. You don't have time to spend with him. But in fact, I was really challenged by something Rob Diamond brought to the staff meeting recently. He was at um, a life coaching conference, and a guy called Chris Webb talked about this idea of bite-sized quiet times or times with God. Five minutes maybe. And you know often we get to that point when we go, oh I can't do a quiet time. But what that really means is I haven't got the half an hour spare that I really need to do my quiet time or normally have to do my quiet time. But then you don't spend time with God. What about if we had a more realistic expectation of just a bite-sized five minutes? Then we can manage that. Or in fact, and then we build up slowly with small goals. Five minutes of time throughout the day is better than no time with God. And slowly you begin to build on that. How are you creatively spending time with God? Are you carving out that time to nurture that relationship? The question I, I, I began with is the question I want to end with, and one that I would encourage you to go away this week and, in your quiet times, ask yourself: How is your relationship with Jesus? Because without that at the centre, all else seems to make no sense at all. Let's pray. Jesus, I realise it's um all well and good to say these things from the front but the reality is all of this stuff is more difficult than it sounds so I pray um, as we walk in to Monday morning tomorrow <laughs> the day we all dread that in fact you'll change our perspective that we'll see it as an opportunity to spend time with you to nurture that relationship that we will wake up in the morning excited about the fact we have a relationship with the living God We'll have a desire burning inside us to nurture that relationship. We're real with where we're at. And it you give us a burning passion to spend more time with you. We love you.